Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Fizz Radio. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined alongside by Brad Klein, and we'll be here all the way up until 10 o'clock on the score 1260. And Brad, Syracuse, after Tommy DeVito, you got to start thinking of some different quarterback options. They just landed three-star quarterback Justin Lampson. Is he is he going to be the guy after DeVito, or is there going to be somebody else on the roster? Yeah, Lampson coming in, a three-star for the class of 2021, and just a big sigh of relief for Syracuse, right? Because there was a long time there that Syracuse just didn't have a quarterback for the class of 2021 after they lost out on Riley Leonard. Look, Thomas, I'm really high on this guy. I know a few Fizz, episode, Fizz Radio episodes ago, I was really high on Dylan Markowitz, but give me, give me Justin Lamson any day of the week. It's going to be Lamson and then Markowitz and David Summers are ahead of him when he gets to the hill, but I think eventually this is the starting quarterback of the future for Syracuse. You can go to our website, orangefizz.net. We've got a great article by our good friend Ian Unsworth on Justin Lampson. And what's interesting about this guy, Brad, is that Dino Babers, he likes to go pro-style quarterbacks. That's not Justin Lampson. He's more of a dual-threat guy. Do you see maybe a change in the program if Lampson takes the reins in the future? You know, it's funny. I don't, actually. He is listed as a dual-threat guy, but you look at his reel, and this is a guy who has a really strong arm, probably stronger than people give him credit for, He can throw on the run. He knows when to tuck and run, which is always nice. But he also has a really strong deep ball. And that's something that has gone slightly unnoticed. And I have a gut feeling because he's going into his senior year of high school. I have a gut feeling that his senior year will be the year that maybe he sheds that reputation of just being a dual threat quarterback, but also emerges as a pocket passer as well. Yeah, I mean, he almost seems like to be somewhat in the mold of Tommy DeVito. Of course, DeVito was a four-star Elite 11 quarterback prospect before arriving to Syracuse. But Lampson, you mentioned, is incredibly strong arm. He's more of that guy who he's a passer first, but he can run and get to the sticks if he needs to in that situation. But I think, you know, Babers saying, look, I'm going to go out and get guys who can throw the ball and chuck it downfield, and Lampson can absolutely do that. And if the pocket collapses, well, he can run a little bit too, but that's not his predominant skill set. Right, and, and the thing I'm really excited about with Lamson is this is a Sterling Gilbert recruit. Sterling Gilbert going into his first season as the offensive coordinator at Syracuse, and he decided, hey, I really like this Lamson kid. Let's get him to campus. So for me, I can't really worry about fit when the new offensive coordinator prioritizes Justin Lamson. I mean, you got to think that's got to give him a leg up in the program because these other guys after DeVito – they weren't recruited by Gilbert, but Lampson was. Got to think that might be the guy for Gilbert once Lampson. And bear in mind, this is far in the future. But once he arrives on campus, maybe he has a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. That's why I think he is the starter of the future. Now, it's going to be a little tough for him, just in terms of age, when he gets to campus, because he will be a true freshman when Devito is a redshirt senior. So maybe he has that year to learn from him. But a true sophomore in his first season of of really having a chance to start, that's going to be an uphill climb. I don't know if he's going to start immediately after DeVito, but eventually Justin Lamson will be the leader of this team. 
All right. Well, if he's not starting, I mean, I guess the question would be how big of this is it for the program? Because, of course, you want to get that 2021 guy. You want to get a quarterback every single recruiting class. But you think maybe Justin Lampson isn't the direct descendant from DeVito, but there's somebody in between? I mean, only because of age. That's it. Only because of age. You're going to probably going to need a borderline bridge quarterback. I don't know if Lampson's going to be ready in time for DeVito's departure because remember, He's pretty young. I mean, he will be pretty young, and he is pretty raw. If you look at the high school tape, you can see the talent, but he is pretty raw. So I'm a little apprehensive about that. I do think he's the quarterback of the future. What does it mean for the for the program? More than anything, Thomas, this is a huge, huge sigh of relief. Weight off of their shoulders because, again, going back to Riley Leonard, that was a huge disappointment for the program to go out and say, We are prioritizing Riley Leonard. We're going to go out and get this guy. And then for him to not only not go to Syracuse, but to commit to Duke, an ACC rival, that hurt. That hurt where you really don't want it to hurt. So Syracuse just picked themselves up and prioritized another three-star quarterback all the way out in California. Leonard's from South Alabama. They went to California and picked up the next Riley Leonard, the new and improved version of what they they thought they were getting in Riley Leonard. You think he's the improved version of Riley Leonard? I do, only because of his ability to tuck and run and his pocket presence. I feel like he has a little bit of everything, and when he gets to Syracuse, he's going to mold into the star that the Orange need him to be. Well, I know for Justin Lampson, maybe people are thinking, ah, three-star, you know, when are we getting those guys like DeVito, who's a four-star? Well, Justin Lampson's a really good prospect. He's got offers from Boise State. Louisville, who just had a fantastic season in the ACC. So he's got some big-time offers. And, Brad, I think you've got a point there by saying, you know what, being able to tuck it and get out of the pocket, especially on this Syracuse team, and maybe the offensive line changes, but you know what, DeVito had a lot of problems this past season. It's never a bad thing for a quarterback to be able to maneuver the pocket, get out of there if need be, and make plays with his feet. Because, Justin Lampson, we said, this guy can throw. He can find big yardage gains through the air, but – if he can also tuck it on the ground, even though he's more, well, he's listed a dual, more of a pro probably, it's still good to be able to pick up those chunk yardages when nothing else is working down the field, when you're maybe playing cover three and nobody's open, things like that. So, I mean, yeah, I think, Greg, you're right. This is a really big signing for the program. If for no other reason, then you got to get that, that quarterback every single class. I don't know. I think once he, a, a year under his belt, I think there is a possibility that he can take over from Tommy DeVito I think, you know, if he comes in as a true freshman, maybe not. But with a year to learn and grow, maybe I'm an optimist, but I think it's a possibility. I think a lot of that depends. A lot of of what you just said depends on his senior season in high school. Remember, he's only going into his senior year of high school. He has some time to develop. That's good. So for us to rush to say, oh, in three years or so, he could be the starter, maybe, but Maybe not. You know, a lot of that depends on his development in his final season in high school. And by the way, for all the Syracuse fans that are a little disappointed that the quote-unquote big fish of the quarterback class in 2021 is only a three-star, well, first of all, Eric Dungey was a three-star, and no one's disappointed about Eric Dungey. Second of all, and because stars just don't mean everything, second of all, he's only a high school senior, so he has time to build himself up to a four-star if you're into that. Yeah, I think more than any other position on the playing field, 
quarterbacks, especially at the high school level, are really, really hard to decipher and engage and assign a rating to. I know there's been a lot of good articles recently about looking back at some of these five-star elite 11 quarterbacks and saying, well, some of these guys hit. A lot of them, they really didn't. So, like you mentioned, Brad, Eric Dungy, one of the best quarterbacks in Syracuse history, was a three-star, lowly recruited guy out of Oregon. Hey, you can't you can't define a player, especially a quarterback, by something like that. And this is a guy you really have to look at the offers, right? And Justin Lampson, he's got the offers. So for Syracuse, this is a really really big signing, and I think really important for Syracuse, Dino Babers, and Gilbert to say, all right, we miss on Riley Leonard. Well, according to Brad, maybe we just got a better guy. That's got to be a big big win. Yeah, and and you look at the offers, right? And he was strongly considering Louisville. So it's kind of nice to say, okay, we lost Riley Leonard to an ACC rival, but if nothing else, we blocked J- uh, Justin Lampson from going to a different ACC rival in Louisville who definitely could have burnt Syracuse down the road. So it's just nice to, at the very, very least, block the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, it's always a little bit of a cherry on top when you take a guy that could be going to an ACC program and bring him to your roster instead, I think. Very exciting to see what happens, not just uh, in once he arrives to campus, but in his senior season to see how he grows, sees how he progresses. And I think it's very promising for his future that Syracuse's new quarterbacks coach really wanted him and really focused and narrowed in on Justin Lampson individually. And that can only bring good news for Lampson. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a different Syracuse recruit. We're switching to the hardwood. Dior Johnson, could he reclassify Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined alongside by Brad Klein. And Brad, Syracuse has to be feeling good after Dior Johnson is apparently thinking about reclassifying to 2021's recruiting class, according to rivals and stock risers and Dior Johnson liked both of their tweets on Twitter. So if that gives you a little bit more clarification on his thinking, of course, he's the number five player in the 2022 class, number one point guard, according to 24-7 Sports. And Brad, I got to think, if Dior Johnson is on the roster in 2021, you got Buddy Bayheim as in a senior year, Alan Griffin, of course, Benny Williams, Joe Girard. I think this the floor for this program has to be Sweet 16. It's looking really good. By the way, Thomas, can I just say something? Dior Johnson's not going to come at least for another year, maybe two. And I just can't do this just for my mental health. What we do at Orange Fizz is essentially we poach his Twitter and his Instagram. And if he likes something or views something or retweets something or does anything to anything ever, We go nuts about it, and rightfully so, because he's the top-rated recruit in Syracuse history since Carmelo Anthony in 2002. But I can't put too much stock in anything he tweets or retweets or likes or whatever because he did the same thing with the prep-to-pro trend with Jalen Green. He liked the Jalen Green post about him going pro for going college, going to the G League. So he's given that the exact same amount of love as the idea of him reclassifying. I think, essentially, he just likes seeing his name in the headlines. That being said, he's a very he's a top-rated recruit. He's the number two point guard in the class, according to ESPN. And he can start in 2021 or 2022. He'd be a 17-year-old freshman in 2021. 
but he'd make Syracuse a contender in either year. So he should do whatever he thinks is best for him. He would definitely streamline his path to the NBA because, let's get real, this guy looks destined for the NBA if he just skips a year of high school. Brad, let me get this straight. You think we're delving too much into a, a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I, come on, admit it. Admit it. If he likes something, there's an article on Orange Fizz about it. You wrote that article. I did. I'm not. I'm not condemning anyone else besides myself. It's my fault. And now I'm trying just for my own mental health because it's going to be a while before Johnson's here. It might be sooner than expected, but it's going to be a while, and I can't do this. I can't do this to myself, Thomas. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. But this is a guy who, like you said, is the best recruit for Syracuse since Carmelo Anthony. And Brad, I mean, let's let's take a little a road trip in our imaginations to maybe even if you don't want to do it, Syracuse, what they could possibly be with this guy once he arrives on campus. And we'll play a little hypothetical. Assume he is going to reclassify in 2021. You got Buddy Behan. I think that that combo Dior Johnson at point buddy at shooting guard Dior drives the lane dishes for an easy three I mean it's that could be an everyday thing yes absolutely he the 2021 roster looks better with Dior Johnson than the 2022 roster looks with Dior Johnson because you have Buddy Beheim there you have Alan Griffin there who wouldn't make it to 2022 uh just because of his age but at the same time, that's why he should probably stay in 2022. Because first of all, you don't want to have to compete with Buddy Bayheim and Alan Griffin. I understand that both of those players, neither one of them are point guards, and they could only help a point guard in Dior Johnson, or they could take some numbers away from him, steal some buckets, steal some points, and Dior Johnson's stat line doesn't look that hot. But if he's trying to audition for the NBA, maybe 2022 is the way to go. Because even though you're still competing, quote-unquote competing, with Joe Girard for that point guard spot, after that, it's Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton, Benny Williams, Frank Anselm. It's a really good class. It's a really good team. You're competitors. You're definitely contenders. And the, the, the floor is still high. But it's not as crowded of a lineup card for Jim Beheim as 2021 would be. And by the way, Thomas... 2022, Zion Cruz could very well come to Syracuse. Zion Cruz is another five-star that Syracuse is trying to recruit, and he followed Dior Johnson to Oak Hill, the prep school in Virginia. So that that looks like a good omen for Syracuse, and I would only imagine that Cruz would be probably unlikely to come to Syracuse if Johnson's not holding his hand. Well, and another high-time recruit that Dior Johnson is currently recruiting is Chance Westry, a 6'4 shooting yeah. guard. He's, he's, you know, a top, he's number 26, according to uh, 24-7 Sports in the 2022 class, like you said, Brad. So a lot of really big time prospects. And of course, we got a great article about Chance Westry joining Dior Johnson for a game on the hill last year by J.D. Rauchy. So there's a lot of options and there may be a lot more guys who come to Syracuse in 2022 if Dior stays in that class. I don't know. I mean, it'll be, you said, yeah, he gets more maybe gets to pad his stats a little bit more in 2022 I can see that but again making the NBA and being a high draft pick there's more ways to do it than Cole Anthony did at UNC this past season where he was the only guy you look at Duke you look at Kentucky I mean these players they come they group at one school and yeah maybe they have to give up a little bit of the spotlight but in the long run it doesn't seem to really hurt their draft stock that much I don't know I mean 
I don't know how much a NCAA run helps Stewart Johnson because I'm sure he's already every NBA team already has scouts looking at him right now. But I think either way, he's gonna be he's gonna be a good uh, uh, probably a high draft pick, and I don't know how much it really makes a difference whether it's 21 or 22. All right, well, be warned, because Syracuse players immediately are behind the eight ball when it comes to draft stock because of the 2-3 zone. So Johnson's going to need every little bit of help he can to boost his draft stock. That includes an NCAA tournament run. So wherever Johnson thinks he can win, that's where he should go. By the way, do I think he should reclassify? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, because A, I think Zion Cruz has a very good chance of coming to Syracuse if he stays in 2022, and B, and we have to think about this, because so often on the Fizz, we talk about how, oh, players leave early, players leave too raw for the NBA. Well, Johnson, who knows, he could be too raw for his freshman season at Syracuse. Would you rather have a 2022 Dior Johnson or a 2021 Dior Johnson. 17-year-old freshman Dior Johnson will probably be very fun to watch. He'll probably be very good. He'll start and he'll get drafted. But don't you think Syracuse would probably be better off just waiting a year? Well, uh, yeah, I think they Syracuse probably would be. Now, would Dior Johnson be better waiting off for a year? Because, yes, he'll be better with another year of experience. But you, there's something to be said about NBA scouts looking at him saying, this kid is, what, 18 when he could hypothetically go pro rather than 19? That extra year has got to be enticing to some NBA teams as well. It is. It is. I, I know. I just think it's just such a toss-up, right? Because 2021, the team is is better. But 2022, the team has a chance to be a lot better than it is right now. You mentioned Chance Westry. We talk about Zion Cruz and and the impact that Dior Johnson has. And by the way, we don't really know what Syracuse is getting from Benny Williams. For all we know, Benny Williams could be a one-and-done player. So that means that he would be gone by the time Dior Johnson gets to 2022. I'm just spitballing here, but that could happen. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I think, I don't know. It's also one of those things where it's like, well, he's going to have a lot of players to compete with, and it's almost flipping our arguments here where I'm taking your side and you're taking my past side there it's there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of intangibles that could take place I think Syracuse fans should be happy about this and I know that 2022 class could be phenomenal and granted Zion Cruz and Chance Westry they they play kind of the same position so I don't are you going to get both of them I don't know um but if you if he does if Dior Johnson does reclassify to 2021 I think there is something to be said about Syracuse fans just feeling better about him actually coming to campus, right? Because I think for since he's committed, there's been some rumors where it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is great, yep. but is he actually going to come to campus? And if he's reclassifying to 2021, that's at least promising. <laughs> exactly. And I actually kind of allude to that in my Fizz piece because he has borderline entertained the possibility of going straight to the G League from high school, especially with Jalen Green earning half a million dollars, $500,000, for that reason, Syracuse fans, Syracuse coaching staff, just just appease him because you can't afford another Darius Baisley situation. You just can't. So if Dior Johnson wants to come early, let him come early. If he doesn't, then fine. Fine. Then, then bring him in in 2022 and welcome him with open arms. But Thomas, I have to ask you, whether he comes in 2021 or 2022, he's going to overlap with Joe Girard. What do you think this means for the point guards playing time? 
I think Joe Girard is really, really hoping that Dior comes in 2021. I mean, I guess he could play the two, maybe, if he comes in 2021. A little short. But I don't know. I mean, you got to think, look, Joe, we love you. Dior Johnson's just kind of another level. (laughs) It's just a different talent level we're talking about here. Like, he's going to start. And I think Syracuse coaches, if Dior Johnson's been committed for a couple years, comes to campus, and then coaches sit him down and say, look, Dior – we love you, but we're going to put you on the bench. That's not going to work. That's not no. going to fly. Like, this guy is – he could have gone straight to the NBA. I think it's a tough situation for Joe Girard, but, you know, Dior Johnson, he's going to start. I agree with you. I, it's just – it's tough because a lot of Syracuse fans out uh, out there think, okay, Jim Beheim's old school. He doesn't play freshman that much. 2003 was an exception with McNamara and Mello. Well, guess what? This is an exception, too. Because Dior Johnson is an exceptional recruit, and Syracuse is going to realize that Joe Girard is a very nice player. I think he's a really, really good player for Syracuse, brings a new brand of competitiveness to the team, and he's he's really good. But Dior Johnson is a transcendental player, and Joe Girard's is going to have to sit down. Because, because Dior Johnson is not going to sacrifice a second of playing time to Joe Girard. They're going to see that in the preseason position battle. Because there will be. There will be a preseason position battle. Senior Joe Girard versus freshman Johnson. That's a battle to be had. But you're And, and Girard's a fierce competitor. He's probably going to get the best out of Johnson. But you have to understand that Dior Johnson is on another level. On another level. And he's the guy that's going to take Jim Beheim on one last run late in his career. I, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... I think by the time Joe Girard's a junior, especially as a senior, he's going to be one of the top point guards in the ACC. Is Dior Johnson, I think he'll probably be better, but there's going to be a learning curve for him as well. Just, I mean, not just by, you know, because he's younger, but because he's at a program where he's learning all about Syracuse, especially with the 2-3 zone. Joe Girard struggled at the 2-3 zone, but maybe with another couple of years under his belt, he'll be better than Dior Johnson probably will be as a freshman. I think it'll depend. See, that's where I disagree. Dior Johnson is going to be better than Joe Girard as soon as he steps foot on campus. Just raw really? talent. Raw de- Girard will definitely be the smarter player, especially at the top of the zone. But Dior Johnson will bring a skill set that Syracuse cannot just cannot ignore. And no amount of Joe Girard's success doesn't matter if Girard has a three-year head start. Dior Johnson is the top recruit in Syracuse history since 2002, Carmelo Anthony. That has to mean something. It means something to me. It means something to all of our listeners out there. When he's being compared to Carmelo Anthony, you say, Joe Girard, peace, it's been real. Step aside and let the men take care of things. Or really, really the boys. The boys. He's going to be 17 or 18. I mean, he'll be playing like a man, though, let's be honest. I think... The, it's it's interesting, and I think it's it's tough for Joe Girard because it's, it's this tough. is a business. At the end of the day, you're trying to win games here. You got the top point guard of the 24 in the in the 2022 class, according to 24/7 Sports. He's going to be the top point guard at Syracuse once he steps foot on campus. I think, yeah, the experience has to mean something for Joe Girard in the two three zone, but there's just that athleticism level that he cannot compete with just naturally, and that's unfortunate for Joe Girard. I think it, it, it's going to be very interesting what happens because if Dior Johnson stays in 2022, 
do you try to play them together? Because you're going to be really small at you the could. top of the zone there. You could if you really wanted to. Gerard could move over to the two. I know Dior Johnson won't. Uh, I think a lot of that depends on what happens with Kadari Richmond, Quincy Garrier. Like, is Quincy Garrier still there in 2022? Everyone's saying he has NBA potential. I don't see it as much. But what if he leaves early? Well, then there's there's that extra element of playing time there. You just don't know. Maybe Benny Williams leaves early. Maybe Kadari Richmond leaves early. But Kadari Richmond's going to demand some playing time. Benny Williams will. Quincy Garrier will. So it's really hard for me to envision Jim Beheim saying, yes, I want an undersized shooting guard at the top of the zone. Regardless if Dior Johnson comes in 2021, 2022, it looks a lot more promising that he's actually going to come to the Hill. Yes. When we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who spent a lot of time at the Hill. One of the best players in recent Syracuse history, Eric Devendorf, joins us on Fizz Radio. Stick with us. You're listening to The Score, 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein, and we welcome in a special guest, Eric Devendorf. He's currently playing for Bayheim's Army at TVT in Columbus. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Now, we have to ask, I guess, we know that the, all the players on all the teams are isolated in a hotel in Columbus. What is it like actually living there in the past few days? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's a lot of tests. I mean, um, TBT is taking a lot of caution to make sure everybody's safe. Um, everybody's keeping to themselves. Everybody's wearing a mask wherever they go. Um, so, you know, you're pretty much on lockdown and, um, you know, just being around your team. So, um, I mean, I guess for our guys, you know, it's not too big of a deal. Um, you know, we're here to focus on basketball and, and win these games. So, um, again, TBT's done a good job of just making sure everybody's safe. So, um, everybody's trying to, you know, follow suit and, and, and make sure everybody's good. Eric, you've mentioned before that you were playing those one-on-ones at the Bayheim household with Buddy. Take us inside the competitive competitiveness of those one-on-ones with Buddy Bayheim. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the last month or two, um, you know, I've been able to get in there, and, and I've always been working out, Buddy. Um, Buddy and Jimmy, we. Um, I put him through some workouts and, you know, uh, this time around I decided to hop in and, uh, you know, in, in the ones and the, uh, so we play one-on-one-on-one and um, it's, it gets competitive, man. Um, you know, especially for them being brothers, um, you know, they, they're, they're going at it. They're arguing about calls and things like that. So, um, but for me, it was great uh, to get me back in shape and then also to help them um, because I can still do it a little bit. So it, it gives, it gives them uh um, to some stuff to learn from, from me as well. But, um, you know, they pushed me and, um, it was competitive, man. It was, it was fun. And I'm just grateful that coach allows me to get in there. In your first game of TBT against Minimaki, there was a pretty major size mismatch with Isaac Haas at seven foot three down low. What was the game plan and how did you guys overcome a guy that big in the middle? I just wanted to make sure we keep a body on them and, and uh, you know, not let them get too deep, not try to play behind them. Um, you know, he, he did a, a pretty good job of, of making his presence felt in the beginning. But I think, you know, Tay and, and Will and D-Nick and, you know, all those guys down there did a real good job of battling with them and making it tough on them. And, um, you know, they, they did a good job of wearing them down and he was tired. So, 
you know, we fought and we battled. They only out-rebounded us by, you know, by four rebounds. And um, I think maybe one or two offensive rebounds more than us. So, um, you know, those guys did a real good job. And um, I thought we did a good job in the zone overall, um, just finding the shooters and, and, and gang rebounding. And um, I think we just still still have a few things we want to clean up. But, um, you know, for the most part, I think we did a good job overall. Eric, a few weeks before you guys arrived in Columbus, we had your GM, Kevin Belby, on, and he mentioned that versatility was definitely a strong suit for the team, but also three-point shooting. Everyone on the team pretty much can shoot from outside. Uh, the other day against Mac, you guys struggled less than 20% from deep. Will Bayheim's Army go back to three-point shooting against sideline cancer, or did you just find something that worked driving the lane and getting to the line? Well, we got guys who can do both drive to the basket, as you saw in the first game. And, um, you know, obviously we struggle shooting the ball, but um, guys are going to knock down shots. And we, we got that one game under our belt. Um, I think the first game is always the hardest game just because guys haven't played in a while. Um, and then also, um, you know, some guys are new to it and didn't really know what to expect in this tournament. So, um, you know, we'll knock down those shots. We, we got good looks. We just didn't make them. So, um, and like you said, everybody's, everybody can shoot the ball. Um, and I expect going into uh, this second game that will knock them down. Your next opponent, Sideline Cancer, has been something of an underdog in this store and they've in this tournament, and they've seemed to really been doing a great job. What are you expecting from them once you guys suit it up? I mean, same thing from every team. They're going to come out and play hard, and um, they got pros on their team. They got guys who played high level um, overseas and college, uh, wherever it may be. So. Um, you know, we expect them to come out and, um, you know, play as hard as they can, just just like we are. So, um, you know, we're ready for a battle. Um, that's what that's what you should expect every game in this tournament, uh, especially when there's money on the line. So uh, we're going to go into there ready and, and uh, you know, hopefully come out with the win. We're talking to Eric Devendor, former Syracuse Orange men, and now the heart and soul of Bayheim's Army leading up to their matchup against 22-seed sideline cancer. And that team is led by Marcus Keene, who's averaging about 23 points per game. How are you going to slow him down? Well, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, he's going to get his shots off. Um, you know, we just got to be there and contest and, uh, you know, make sure we don't give him open looks. Um, but it's different when you're going against that zone. You know, it's not going to be uh, pick and roll downhill. You're going to have another guy waiting there, you know, for you when you get to the basket. So, um, you know, same same type of guy as Justin Detman. Um, you know, he, he Keen is a big percentage of their offense. You know I mean? He's, the ball's in his hands 85, 90% of the time. So they're looking for him to make a play for, you know, himself or other or others. So, uh, you know, same, same type as Justin Detman we had the first game. And I think we did a pretty good job of finding him and, you know, limiting his, his shots and, uh, you know, the zone can do that. So, um, you know, we've been watching, we've been watching film and uh, we'll make sure we'll be ready for him. Does the game plan change if Diamond Stone plays? He's questionable. He had 19 points in their first round win against Team Hines. No, game plan doesn't change. Um, you know, just you put one person in, it doesn't, doesn't change what we're going to do. Um, you know, we know what we have to do in the zone. We know what we, what we have to do offensively. Um, and I, I think we'll be all right overall if we just execute our game plan. Does Bayheim's Army have an advantage over other teams due to the familiarity of your teammates? I and mean, you guys largely have been playing together for a long time. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely an advantage, um, you know, especially in this tournament. You know, you, you can have guys, you know, with all the talent um, coming in here playing, but um, if you don't have that chemistry with your team and um, playing together, then, um, you know, you're not likely to win. So um, we got guys that are familiar with each other, familiar with what we run, um, have them come, all come from the same system besides Will. Um, you know, but Will's done a great job of just coming in and, you know, doing what he's great at doing, um, which is being versatile, playing super hard, and um, having a nose for the ball. So, um, yeah, it's definitely to our advantage. Um, like I said, we just got to sharpen up on a few things and um, hopefully go out there Saturday and, and get another win. We're speaking to Eric Devendorf of Bayheim's Army, who takes on sideline cancer in the basketball tournament on Saturday. Eric, you mentioned Will Raymond's the only new guy who hasn't played at Syracuse, and it seems like he's done a great job in his first game against Minnow Mackey. How difficult is it to learn very quickly some aspects of the 2-3 zone and go out and deliver? Oh, it's definitely difficult. You're not going to learn it overnight. Um, you know, we, we've been going through it in practice and, um, and, and trying to help him with the spots and rotations. Um, but he's a smart player. Um, he's going to pick it up quick. And again, it's not something that you can learn overnight, but um, for him, how hard he plays, he makes up, um, you know, for not being in the right stuff, right spot by just playing super hard um, and, and, and just getting to that ball, being aggressive. Um, and that's the type of guy that we wanted. We wanted a guy who was just going to go out there and um, give it 100%. Um, and he's done that. He's done it, you know, the first game. He's, he's done it in all the practices. So. Uh, we're happy to have him on board. He's He's been a great addition. The legend of Eric Devendorf is built around the six-overtime game. Uh, what do you think of the Elam ending, knowing that, hey, that's not possible playing into tomorrow? Um, you know, at first I was, you know, kind of wasn't a big fan of the Elam ending just because I was more of a traditionalist. But um, as we kept going more and more, I, I started to um, – you know, like it more and more. I just think it, it brings back memories of, you know, us playing when we're growing up, going to 21 or, you know, going to 11. So it's, you know, uh, first man to that certain number, it picks up the intensity level a little bit and, and guys really have to lock in even more. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely grown on me and, um, you know, I, I like it. Eric, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to join us here on Fizz Radio. And when we come back, we're going to get into the best segment of the show, Fizz Feedback, only on the score, 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined alongside by Brad Klein. And it's time to get to Fizz Feedback. Your questions, we answer, we discuss. Brad, what is our first Fizz Feedback question? All right, the first one is with the Bayheim's Army of the Basketball Tournament which player is most crucial to Bayheim's Army's success in the basketball tournament? Eric Devendorf, Dante Green, Brandon Trish, and Malachi Richardson. And Thomas, Eric Devendorf wins in a landslide. 64% of the vote. No other player got more than 14%. And I have to disagree with Fizz Nation here. I think it's Dante Green. Thomas, I mean, if Fizz Nation didn't learn how important Dante Green is in the middle after losing Chris McCullough and Tyler Lydon, and he stood his ground against Isaac Haas, I don't know what else Dante Green has to do to prove his worth. I love Eric Devendorf to death. Thank him. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Devo. But 
Dante Green is the, the height that Beheim's army desperately needs after losing McCullough and Leiden. Brad, I'm not just saying this because Eric Devendorf joined us so kindly, took some, taking some time out of his day, but he's he's the guy. He's the most important player. He's the reason they beat of Mackey, and we'll see what he does today. But he had 21 points. I mean, they're not winning without Eric Devendorf. And I, I think Dante Green's the second most important guy on the team because you need that size, but it's got to be Devo. He's the heart and soul. All right, the second one, back to Bayheim's army. Which player besides Carmelo Anthony would you want to see play for Bayheim's army? You have Tyler Ennis, Michael Carter-Williams, Rakeem Christmas, or other. Comment below. And I have to tell you, other comment below was was highly represented in this poll. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with an other. I'm going to stick with Johnny Flynn, which was the the commented representation here. A lot of players, a lot of uh, Twitter poll Followers really wanted Flynn, but I saw some Tyler ba- Tyus Battle in there, Andy Routens, Elijah Hughes, Jerry McNamara even, so definitely some options here. Yeah, there's plenty of options. A lot of really good players. I think C.J. Fair was in there as yeah. well. I got to agree with you, and I don't know if it's the consensus of Fizz Nation or not, but I think Johnny Flynn's got to be the guy who'd be the most interesting, the most fun to watch. I mean, can you just this is the guy who led Syracuse to a 6-0 T victory, of course, with Devendorf over UConn. So, I don't know. I think Johnny Flynn would be very, very interesting to watch and really a lot of fun to see in TBT. You can't go wrong here, Brad, though. I, I think any of these guys, they'd all be fun. I think maybe a little bit of recency bias with Tyus Battle, yeah. Nathan, Elijah Hughes. But, hey, I'm not going to say no to those guys as well. They'd be a lot of fun to see in TBT. But Johnny Flynn, man, oh, man, was he fun to watch or what? I think Johnny's got to be the guy. Yeah, but so. you know what? Shout out to Conrad Dullen out there for saying Jeremy Grant. For whatever reason, yeah. he really flew under the radar. And it's kind of it's kind of cheating because when we say besides Mello, we're talking about really besides the NBA players who are above the basketball tournament. So Jeremy Grant really would be included. But he found the loophole. I think Jeremy Grant really is the answer. But outside of that... I mean, you re- you really can't go wrong with any of these options, though. Johnny Flynn would, of course, be fun. Tyler Ennis would be an unsung gem here. And then if you really need height with Dante Green being your center, then Rakeem Christmas would also be a strong candidate. That's oh. what one of the uh, the commenters said is, you know what? I really like Johnny Flynn, but I got to go Rakeem here. This yeah. team needs height. And, you know, you only got Dante Green. That's about it. Will Raymond, of course, filling in for Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough recently dropped out. Rakeem Christmas, that would be something to watch as well. I think that could be really interesting. I have to say, though, I am severely disappointed that a non-Syracuse alum is on this team. I understand the circumstances. Leiden and McCullough drop out at the last minute, but if you want to be a, a Syracuse alumni team, then just be a Syracuse alumni team and be better than the other alumni teams in the basketball tournament because no other alumni team, Ohio State, Purdue, Marquette, uh, Dayton, None of them are authentically their school that they're claiming to be. Syracuse was going to be the only school that was, the only team that was, Beheim's Army. But at the last minute, Will Raymond joins. Well, I think, you know, that's just kind of a situation of the circumstances. Well, you need seven. Leiden, McCullough can't play. You got to grab somebody. Colgate's yeah, grab someone, yeah. Brad. I know, I know. He's not. He's not the problem. It's my problem. I'm just saying... <laughs> it would have been nice to be authentically Syracuse. That's all. And I know I know GM Kevin Belby wanted to do that. That's why he composed the roster the way he did. But circumstances, I understand. 
Uh, next year. The next one goes with football. In the next, who is the next SU quarterback after Devito? Is he on the roster? Is he committed? If so, who's it going to be? You have now on the roster Justin Lamson, Dylan Markowitz, and David Summers. Now, who do you think came out on top here? Was it was it Lamson? It was. It was Lamson. I'm pretty sure this was slightly recency bias too. But again, as I said at the top of the show, Justin Lamson wins. By the way, 52 percent. I have to agree. I think Justin Lamson is the most talented quarterback outside of DeVito on the roster. And it's fair to say, mm, I'm not really thrilled with any of these three guys. Maybe they're going to bring in a transfer. Who knows? But the system, Orange is the new fast, is pretty tough to adapt to in one year. So I don't see Syracuse going after a transfer. How much did other get? Dylan Markowitz only got 7%. So you need some love for my Texas quarterback. And then David Summers... Your boy swallowed 11% of the vote. Not on the roster, not committed, got 30. Wow. I mean, I think that's, you know, a testament to Fizz Nation because they're looking around college football saying, hey, a lot of these guys, they transfer, they come into programs. There's a lot of versatility and a lot of just transition at the quarterback position across different different rosters across the country. I think, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's too early to tell, of course. We're just thinking here. I'm going to go with, I like David Summers. I think he could be a fill-in for DeVito, maybe before Justin Lampson. Like you mentioned in the first segment, Brad, he's going to have to transition. Will he be ready by his sophomore year? We don't know yet. It's too early to know. I like Summers, though. It's definitely a conversation to be had. I feel like David Summers has kind of flown under the radar. Justin Lampson, again, with the recency bias, but also he seems to be a little more shiny than Summers. What exactly do you love so much about him over my boy, Dylan Markowitz? Yeah, I think Summers, he's just a guy that's maybe a little bit more ready for college football than Dylan Markowitz, than Justin Lampson. Of course, Lampson's a ways away, but I think Summers, look, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen after DeVito. We've still got a while before we have to really delve into that conversation, but I think he's just more polished right now. And of course, that can change. A lot of things can change. Of course, Patrick Mahomes wasn't very polished when he got to the NFL and look at him now, but we'll see what happens. I think he's just kind of the guy who's going under the radar. He was a, he was a big time signing when Syracuse got him. And I think he'll just be ready to step in and replace DeVito once he's probably graduated. I think a lot of it also has to do with who digests Tommy DeVito well enough and thoroughly enough because DeVito is going to be there and Dylan Markowitz and David Summers, they're going to be looking up to him up until his redshirt senior season. I don't see DeVito leaving early. So you're going to have to milk as much of DeVito as you can before he leaves. Yeah, I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens in the future. And I think it's a really exciting future for Syracuse and their quarterbacks and Justin Lampson. Like we mentioned in the first segment, it doesn't hurt that he has the connection with Syracuse's new quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, But that'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Brad Klein, I'm Thomas Schultz. Make sure to check out TBT, Bayheim's Army, taking on Sideline Cancer today at 4. We'll see you next Saturday.